Did you know that music, power, and national identity are entangled and constantly changing? In this episode, Herman Hude and Patricia Caicedo talk about the political and cultural relations between the United States and Latin America and how these were staged at the Tanglewood Festival led by Sergei Kuczewski in the 1940s. An opportunity to discover the role of music in what we know as cultural diplomacy. Let's start! Welcome to the Latin American and Iberian Art Zone podcast. My name is Patricia Caicedo. I'm a soprano musicologist, and today I'm in Riverside, California, at the University of California, Riverside, with Dr. Herman Hude, a Venezuelan musicologist specializing in Latin American music. Welcome, Dr. Hude. Thank you, Dr. Patricia Caicedo. For me, it's a huge honor to be here with you. I admire so much and so deeply your work and the contribution that you have been uh, doing regarding the, the art zone and the Latin American art zone, bringing the art zone across the, the world and also not only singing in all these wonderful venues, but also teaching the, the art zones to singers as well as your, your musicological research which is bringing also a wonderful complement, an intellectual complement to, to the Latin American art zone. Muchas yeah, thank gracias, you. No, gracias Dr. Hood. I was not expecting <laughs> such a praise, so it no, makes no. me happy and humble. So, but today we are here to talk about you. Thank because you. Because I would like our audience, our listeners, to learn about you. Who is Herman Hood? I am a um, musicologist and also classical guitarist. Uh, my specialization is uh, Latin American art music. I earned my PhD at the University of California, Riverside, and before that I was 14 years in Boston where I taught uh, a class uh, on Latin American classical tradition, two-semester class, in which we had an important component related to the uh, Latin American art zone, actually, Yes, but yes. no. Who is Herman Hude? I mean, I want them to know where were you born? How was that you became interested in music? Why yeah, did you show thank the you. guitar? Thank Tell yeah, us a little bit about your yeah. intimate story of Dr. Hude. <laughs> thank you. Um, I, I am a Venezuelan and uh, I was born in, in Caracas and actually my introduction with music was through the cuatro, the instrument, the folk instrument from Venezuela, the small guitar with four strings. And we used to perform every year for the Christmas, villancicos, aguinaldos, and uh, have this uh, community group. And, and is there somebody uh -huh. in your family who is a musician and who encourages you to pursue music? We, we love music and I have great-grandparents uh, from both sides. They used to play piano. Actually, my father and my mom's grandmother's mother, they were performers, like amateurs, but really, really, really good. Really good. Oh, and so, so it's yeah, it's yeah, well, I think so, that yeah. <laughs> so no. Not, not because, I mean, when there is somebody who has pursued professional music, usually they have grown in environments who value and appreciate and nurture that. So that's yeah, that's true, that's true, yeah. So yeah. your family from both sides. Uh, well, they, they love music. I am the only one in humanities, actually. The rest of the family is in science or business. The normal ones. Yeah, the, the normal <laughs> ones. And yeah, having the only one in humanities, actually, yeah, yeah. So thank God for <laughs> you being the only one and such a good guitarist, too. So when thank did you, you start thank you. Studying. Who was your teacher there in Venezuela? Uh, well, uh, I, I switched to actually to electric guitar as a good teenager, no? And then I did a little bit of classical guitar, then came back to electric guitar. But actually, when, when I went to college, I decided to pursue classical guitar, and I had this wonderful opportunity to study with Ruben Riera, who is a very well-known uh, classical guitarist. And he's coming actually from a family of musicians from Rodrigo Riera, who was uh, Andres Segovia's student. student. 
and partner with uh, Alirio Diaz. And uh, oh. so that was a wonderful opportunity. And then I also finished a degree in international affairs, which was an amazing uh, opportunity so this too. this is the yeah. university in Venezuela? It, it, yes. Central University yes, of Venezuela? Uh, yeah. International affairs was in, in, at the Central University of Venezuela and music was in a private institute. Yeah. So you were combining both? Combining both, yeah, yeah. And so you come, they must be wondering, He's Jude. Sounds a little bit German. Doesn't sound yeah. very, very Venezuelan. So yeah, that's Where true, is yeah. this family coming from? Background coming from my grandfather, who uh, also whose name was Herman. He was a German who left Germany after in between wars, actually, and then he he was supposed to come to the United States, but he went first to Colombia, oh. and he lived in Colombia some years. Yeah, and then yeah yeah and then he moved to Venezuela to Puerto Cabello which we have two main ports uh, in Venezuela Puerto Cabello and La Guaira because during that time there were these uh, you know Europeans uh, trade companies that used to import or export so he worked for one of them so these foreign then, affairs for a, their young Herman Hood was also linked to that family past of being from I mean, these ancestors yeah. from other countries, yes. like connected to the wider world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And you speak Absolutely. German? Yes, I learned German, but I am the only one in the family who speaks German because I, after I finished my degree in Venezuela, I decided to go to Europe. And, and there was an option by chance in Germany, and uh, so I had to learn the, the so language. So you were studying and, uh, in Germany? What were you studying? Yes, I studied at the conservatory in Detmold during that time. was Detmold, uh, it was the campus of Münster. Uh, then they separate that. Uh, it was a Hochschule für Musik. There I finished my degree in, in classical guitar, and then... In which time? Period are we that, about? That, that was between 1999 and 2002 and then I moved to Cologne to work for two years but then I decided I, I, I really didn't want to live in Germany anymore. I, I knew that I would have better chances in, in different places. Pursue the American yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And we are Americans at the end of yeah, the day. Yeah, exactly. We, so we too, coming yeah, back to yeah. our continent. That's true, that's true. So um, I went one year to Italy because I met this wonderful also classical guitarist at the Mozarteum School, the summer school, the summer uh, academy where I attended. They gave me this scholarship to go during the summer and I, I, I went there and I, I had this wonderful, his name is Eduardo Catemario, he's from Italy. And during that time, I started flying back and forth to Florence, Italy, to have lessons with him. And then I decided to move one year with him just to do a certificate. In, in Florence. In Florence, oh, what yeah, a yeah. dream, living in Florence for <laughs> yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah that was a wonderful It's interesting, yeah. and probably, I don't know if our listeners know, that the guitar is a very unique instrument within all the instruments, within the classical Western repertoire, mm -hmm. whose the canon is big part of the canon is from Spain and Latin America. Yeah, so totally. And, and that's and a strong an exception. Part. Yeah, yeah, this is and an exception. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think the guitar has been lucky in these terms. It's unlike art songs or the repertoire the for piano, piano the yeah, violin, violin or yeah, or any chamber music. I mean, they are focusing just composers. Yeah. The canon is yeah. focused on the music of the Central European yes, uh, yes. composers. Yeah, but the true. guitar it's an exception, yeah, it's an and exception. the canon yeah. includes the music yeah. from Latin America yeah. and Spain. Yeah. That's unique. Yeah, yeah that's, that's unique. That's unique. And I think it's because of this previous connotation of the guitar being just a popular music instrument, and uh, perhaps within this world of the guitar, you know, the, the borders are more... Um, blurry. Yeah, blurry and, yeah. That's cool yeah. because it's related uh, to the world of our Latin American art uh, song yeah, and yeah. we're right there in the middle and that's <laughs> what makes very interesting this repertoire. Let's listen to Herman Jude playing Muñeira, one of the movements of the Suite Compostelana written by the Catalan composer Frederic Monpou in 1962. 
Muñeira is a traditional Galician dance. Yeah. But now yeah. you arrived following the American dream. So yeah, to... so yeah, I decided um, I applied to different schools here in the United States, and, and then I was accepted in many of them, and decided to go to Boston because Boston has a very interesting cultural scene, and you know I I was so lucky to go to the New England Conservatory of Music, which experience was absolutely amazing. I had two wonderful years there, and I I, who were your I I studied with uh, Robert Paul so uh, Sullivan, and uh, and in general all the music, uh, you know, all the classes, the chamber music, everything was so wonderful and complete and holistic that I had two two wonderful years. I also earned there a certificate uh, in music in education. Uh, and so Dr. Hude is very studious, <laughs> no, he's no, accumulating degrees, no. but in which moment you decided, okay, I would like to become a musicologist? Yeah, that's true. I always admire a lot, uh, you know, the work uh, that musicologists do at the musicologists, and I, for me, everyone is an ethnomusicologist. Uh, I think music is uh, independently from each music tradition or cultural tradition is an ethnic cultural product. Uh, so I always admire that a lot and uh, I, I felt always very curious 
And, uh, but when I finished my, that was a master's degree in, in performance and the, the music and education certificate, I say, you know, I have this intellectual call and path and start thinking about, more about, you know, the tradition of Latin American art music. And uh, so curiosity was triggered during that time. And then I decided to start, you know, doing research by my own. And also at the same time, I, I had the great opportunity to study in Caracas with Álvaro Cordero, who is a composer, who recently, since the last year, has been writing or composing music for film documentaries. No? Mm. And uh, he, he happened also to be an alumni from New England Conservatory and then Brandeis University. And he won this Kusevisky Composition Prize when he attended Tanglewood in 1980. And we always talk about the festival. So I was always very curious to know who else from Latin America attended the festival, no? And ah, so now we now so. we are entering to because they <laughs> the listeners don't know what I know already. That please tell us the title of your doctoral dissertation because at the end he finished his doctorate yeah. at UCR <laughs> University of California Riverside that is the mecca for the musicologists who would like to learn about Latin American music because it's the home of the Latin and Latin American Music Center led by Dr. Walter Clark who is the guy in Latin American <laughs> and Iberian music so he came all the way here peregrinated to UCR <laughs> yeah. and from Boston, fin from Boston yeah. and he finished his doctorate with, with, what is the title of the dissertation? Yeah, uh, Negotiating Politics and Aesthetics, the Untold History of Latin American Modern Music in the Berkshire Music Center at Tanglewood from 1940 to 1951. So now you, you see <laughs> how he is expanding his studies and analyzing how music has and politics and history yeah. and are related. And this is also related in a way with your background, with your foreign... Oh, totally, that, completely, yeah, that, yeah. that was very helpful. That, yeah. I didn't know yeah. that, that part was of very you helpful. until a few yeah. minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very interesting how he starts analyzing what happened within that very famous, Tanglewood is a very famous until today, music festival that happens every year every during year, the summer yeah, in yeah. Tanglewood. Yeah, it, so, it, and it's a place where many, is what you discover and you will amplify the, what I will say, the aesthetics and the programs, the music that they decide to play or not to play is saying a lot about the political Politics, re yeah. relationship between the United States and the rest of the world, especially mm -hmm. Latin mm -hmm. America. So Absolutely, tell yeah. us, how, so how was that you say, you, the illumination, the day that you say, okay, I would like to study this aspect of tango? Yes, of course. I, you know, I was curious and then I asked one day just to go to the archive and start, you know, year by year just looking at who were the fellows, the teachers, etc. So I, I began finding all these Latin American composers. And I said, oh, that's fascinating. At the same time, also, I started teaching this class about Latin American classical traditions at the New England Conservatory School of Continuing Education, a two-semester class, actually. And it's an interdisciplinary class, not only music, but, you know, history, culture, fine arts, etc. I mean, at the end of the day, music <laughs> is connected with everything. Absolutely, it's an yeah, expression yeah. of yeah, exactly. culture. Yeah, yeah. So both things, you know, made me, you know, just make the decision like, you know, here's a path that I really want to follow and uh, grow. And uh, yeah, that was the, the beginning. And when I found this information at the archive, at the Boston Symphony or Orchestra Archive, I said, well, I have something here that I really want to pursue uh, further and deeper to and develop into a dissertation or a book. And uh, because I think there, there's, uh, there's a story here. That and for the ones of us who don't know, where geographically is located Tanglewood? Well, it's in, in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Near Boston. Uh, yes, like it's in the Berkshires. And there has been a location that traditionally has had classical Western art music and other kind of music too. 
but uh, mostly art music. So there were in the past. With so <laughs> when you say art music is what people, the listeners think of, like classical Class music, uh, Western, like European Western, music, yeah, no? Yeah. So tell us, when was this festival was born? Who started this festival? How was the context of creation of this festival? In which moment, etc. Yeah, I mean, the current festival was founded officially in 1940 by Sergei Kusevitsky and a group of actually patronists, music patronists, uh, women supporting music in the United States has been uh, a turning point. So in the support. 40, 1940? Yeah, in the 40s. Before that, there was the Berkshire uh, music festivals, but uh, there was no educational component. It was mostly chamber music. Elizabeth Coolidge Sprague, who is this uh, patroness that supported strongly classical music in the United States, established this chamber music festival, but then Kusevisky, you know... Um, so who was Kusevisky? Because yeah, they Kusevisky don't know. Was a, yeah, Kusevisky was one of the most important um, orchestral conductors during the 20th, 20th, uh, 20th century, a Russian who left Russia because of the Bolshevik Revolution, the Communists, and then he moved to Berlin and then Paris, where he established the Kusevisky concerts, in which he performed and also commissioned one of the most important 20th century works that we, we know. So um, after a while, he was appointing the, the music director of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. And how old was him when he arrived to the U.S.? His American dream, I yeah. mean, he's coming... He was a, already, you know, a very well-established conductor. So in his, his uh, 60s or something? It, yeah, yeah, I don't know exactly now. The, he moved during the 20s, but he was already a, you know, very well-established conductor. I mean, he died in 1951, and he was, he lived... Long, long, long. So long, probably long he was in his seventies or sixties or more. Yeah. More. Yeah, yeah. More. So he arrives. He still has this drive yeah, to come and yeah. start this super project yeah, in yeah. the U.S. His yeah. American dream coming yeah. to create <laughs> Tanglewood with his brand name that yeah, yeah. meant that its credibility, standards of quality, and also associated in the minds of people to the cream de la cream of the Western music. So he comes all the way from Russia, yeah. Berlin, Paris to us yeah, in he, Boston. Yeah, he was actually a, a wonderful double bass player. And, wow. uh, and then he switched to conduct. And he had since Russia this dream of creating this music academy. And uh, yeah, he was able to achieve that after failing, or I won't say failing, but after trying once in the United States, but the Great Depression context did not allow him to really settle down the project. And then, but he never gave up. And uh, finally, you know, he received the enough support. The support. And uh, so he was not only a musician and. He was a leader and an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, yeah. And actually, he created the Kusevisky Music Foundation that, uh, until today, still commissions a modern music uh, work uh, in the Western tradition, of course. But I think, you know, he's still contributing to... So now, just going into your subject that is analyzing now, mm -hmm. they know, we all know, what is the Kosevisky mm -hmm. festival, etc. Mm -hmm. So now you are going there to analyze and look for traces of how the political relationships between Latin America and the, the United, United States, States were yeah. cooked inside that festival. Yeah. Within the time frame of? In this case, it's from 1940 to 1951. Also, oh, yeah. from the first 11 years of the Yes, history. yes. But of course, there is a, a past that. Uh, enable you know the 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 visit of all these uh, latin american composers first as a fellow but then as a faculty members for us to understand mm -hmm. what was happening in the 40s in the world yeah or, i mean what or in the in, in the, the 30s in, in the, yeah in this time in the, yeah you just mentioned the Bolshevik Revolution, the yeah. race of communism, and the start of the Cold War also. Uh, the Cold War comes so after, after the wars. Since uh, 1947, but the you know the the fact that you know Nazi Germany and Italy were reaching out Latin America, and that basically 
became a threat for the United States, not only for the national security, but also in terms of resources, because the United States knew that as a result of all the events that were going on in, in Europe, uh, there will be a second war, war. And um, so all the resources were highly needed, and uh, yeah, in particular from, from Latin America. So and for what I felt is that the world is starting to be polarized. There yeah. are these two different poles. At this moment, is it the moment in which this is escenifying in a yes. way, the, the, the moment in which it's being built or born on this? Yes, and it's a, it's a period of transition because it's also the moment in which uh, these event will also allow the, the United States to become, in terms of geopolitics, as the center and displace Europe as the center, no? So... And uh, what is the United States, how the United States policy, uh, diplomacy and all these things, cultural diplomacy, enters into Yes, so the, the United States realized during the 30s that uh, the foreign policy towards Latin America needed a change in order to gain support and loyalty and um, it's also the beginning of the U.S. cultural diplomacy development and they realize that culture is also a space in which there is a, you know, power and there will be a fight too because traditionally Latin America have been, have been closer culturally speaking with Europe than the United States. The United States also needed a change of its own image to also project the notion that the United States is capable, yeah, yeah, capable of producing art, high, what is called high culture products, artists, etc. No? At the same level as the Europeans. So, so they are actually positioning themselves as leaders. So yes, they have to build exactly, yeah. all that image and identity mm -hmm. and create all the mm -hmm. symbols and the spaces where those the power will be represented. Yeah. And music is one of those spaces. It's one of those, yeah. And also creating like a different channel to project all what the, you know, the United States represent throughout, you know, like individualism, democracy, freedom, etc. No, creating an alternative to what Europe was offering because, yeah, there were people in Europe who felt attracted to the Europeans uh, ideals and model of you know in Germany or or Italy and uh, so that was a threat and in course. Spain and in Spain too that with we Franco had a, that yeah we had a, this the Spanish the, civil war the civil yeah war, and true, we yeah. had this dictatorship for Until so many years at the seventy five imagine so the United States is building this yes then the giving the the option of something different and how we can also create culture because in the minds of people oh in the Americas there is no culture the culture belongs <laughs> to Europe <laughs> yeah. some Europeans still believe that yeah unfortunately <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately yes but so this this new narrative starts being created within Tanglewood. Uh, uh, well, the United States starts sending performers at the beginning. They realize that orchestras, for example, Toscanini went there, um, Stokowski went there. But the problem was that basically they were performing uh, European composers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that was a problem because they was reinforcing. Yeah, that was reinforcing the, 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 the central European yeah, the central, Eurocentric yeah, narrative. narrative. And uh, basically, yeah. Then they realize that and they, they start sending composers such as, uh, you know, Aaron Copland or... So Scholar, our own composers yeah, yes, from exactly. our continent. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay, so who to were perform. those composers? In you this case, uh, you know, in this case, Copland is the one that I have, I have studied at most because uh, um, Copland was also connected with uh, Sergei Kusevichi. Kusevichi uh, commissioned work to Copland and performed there. So he championed a lot of uh, US American composers too, modern composer, 20th century composer. So uh, Kusevichi appointed uh, Copland as a um, head of the composition department at, at Tanglefoot. He always has a, a Copland from 1940 to 1965, which was the year in which Copland retired officially from Tanglewood. How, even though he was always connected to the festival it, somehow in different ways, but he also appointed a, a, an European composer. For example, Hindenmith was there, 
Olivier Messiaen, o hacer Darius Milo, o hacer, por ejemplo, Honegger, etc. This is interesting because it's like a constant negotiation yes. and balancing the power and asking for recognition to be validated, but at the same time mm -hmm. validated by the ones that you want to overcome. Or mm -hmm. it's yeah, very yeah. delicate yes, balance. Yes, yes. Yeah, there, there was this politics also in designing, you know, one U.S. American composer and one European. And it, when the, the, the Latin Americans so, yeah, appear in the picture? Uh, Aaron Copland, who had a strong relationship with uh, Carlos Chavez, and uh, actually Chavez supported Copland a lot. So uh, we have to say beginning. Carlos Chavez was a Mexican uh, yeah, composer, Carlos a very Chavez, important. Very important uh, 20th century Mexican composer. Orchestral uh, yeah, and he was music also, and personality. Yeah, personality, also. educator, uh, yeah, entrepreneur, uh, really a, a person who transformed uh, Mexico art music during the 20th century. And our friend, Dr. Leonora Saavedra, yeah, has we have written a, our scholar, a very important Saavedra, who is a book about major. Carlos Chavez, and she's uh, one of the teachers at the University of California, Riverside, yeah. the expert in, Ch in Carlos Chavez. Chavez. Yeah, yeah. So Dr. Leonora Saavedra yeah. will be part of this, this same podcast in a future episode. Yeah. Yes, that's it true, will, that's it will true. be an honor. So you see, we're very lucky at UC Riverside. It's exactly. what I tell the students all the time. This <laughs> yeah, is yeah, true. This is the true. mecca yeah, for yeah. Latin Americanistas. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's okay, true. so Carlos Chavez. So Carlos Chavez, who supported Copland, who also, you know, uh, not only Chavez, but Mexico uh, hosted during the 30s this group of artists, U.S. artists, who went there, the Me Mexican Vogue, that, that mm -hmm. was the trend, who really felt completely alienated with the process of modernization within the United States, mm -hmm. industrialism. There was, of course, this connection to our, towards, uh, you know, socialism, communism. So they, they were trying to escape from the modernization process in the United States, and they found in Mexico like a location. And they where, idealized yes, this of course. Yeah, brutal the, life yeah, of Mexico, the tradition. There was exoticism to us, a way of escape. Uh, but yeah, the fact is that. Uh, there was this permanent, fluent dialogue uh, between Copland and Chavez about ideas of, regarding how and to, you know, promote the, the Pan American. The music. There was also the Pan Americanism. Yeah. This was how this moment also this is happening. Yeah, there was also the Pan American Association of Composers uh, in in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, Henry Cowell was involved too and uh, other composers too, Caturla from mm -hmm. uh, Cuba. Cuba and um, there were festivals in Latin America in Bogota for example in 1938 there were a group of composers already highly active in Latin America for example in Mexico el Grupo de los Cuatro, eh, Música Viva en Brasil, eh, eh, Grupo Bonito Renovación, Renovación en, Cuba, Argentina, Argentina y en Venezuela. En Venezuela, Cuba, and the indigenism in, in, in Peru, Bolivia, uh, with Eduardo Cava, Valcarcel, etc. So there was, a, you know, a very interesting modern music is in there, a Chile with uh, Orrego Salas, but with Santa Cruz too, Domingo Santa, Domingo Cruz, Santa and Cruz, and then, muchas yeah, canciones. yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah, so and many not things to mention happening. in Brazil, no, uh, I mean, no, not to mention in Brazil, because, oh, wow, yes, because this um, is yeah. something for our listeners to be aware of, that Latin America is an endless source of quotations, art, music. Apart from yeah, the endless yeah. source of yeah. folk and popular yeah. music, it's yeah. also mm -hmm. an endless source of what we call yeah. art, art music. music. Yeah. Because there have been media, a myriad of composers in each country, many things happening. Yeah, there's a tradition and, uh, you know, it has a different semantic that you can hear the music and even though it's performed by orchestras and you hear the music, the difference, 
So yeah. in Tanglewood, the first one was Chavez. So he was invited so, as composer uh, or no, performer? No, so he exchanged ideas with Copland. Copland sent him a letter asking him, he, he told Chavez uh, that he will be sent to Latin America to visit and, and, and be, be more, become more familiar with the modern music is seen in Latin America. He sent, he sent the letter to Chavez. Ah. And he's, he he ah, he, he would yeah, be going. Yeah, that yeah. The Department of State uh, arranged a scholarship to for him to go for about four months to different places in Latin America to get acquaintance with the composers to perform uh, music, his music as well as music by modern U.S. Local American local. composers, and uh, to give lectures about uh, music in the United States, etc. No, so to evangelize. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. Yes, in a way we are always evangelizing. Uh, this is a way of yeah, yeah, yeah. preaching our gospel. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, the idea was also to promote, of course, the, the United States, the United States music culture, and and also they knew that they had to bring, they had to use the reciprocity principle in order to bring also composers, performers, scholars to the United States because, because the idea was to. You know, and this is one of the documents that I read that they want they wanted to sell the the, the U.S. model in Latin America, no? To reproduce that to, model. Uh, yeah, and sell the U.S. as a you know um, as the leader. Yes, the... as a model to follow instead of the you know f fascist uh, Germany or Italy or the European etc. No. So uh, they want so... to position themselves as the new. How do you say la potencia like, mundial? Like the new like the global, leader, power. global power. Yeah, so. yeah, of course. I mean, so that was part, part of the, yeah. part of the and and the difference was also sending you know composers such as Copland because the idea was that throughout the direct contact between people, you know, these negotiations relations will be able to flourish and have an impact, no? So this is the time when he, I just guessing, he wrote the Salon Mexico? So uh, that, that was be before in 1936, that was actually after a, a, tra a trip that he did to Mexico, and uh, that was his way also to represent all this ideal of the Mexican vogue and, you know, the idealization and... Uh, exoticism. Let's listen to a fragment of El Salon Mexico by Aaron Copland, performed by the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Antal Dorati. Now, going so, back to Tango. So, yeah. Who uh, were the, the also, composers? Yeah, so, how are yeah, Latin America so, there? Uh, uh, yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, Copland exchanging with Chavez. Uh, he asked Chavez for more ideas uh, about how to promote the, the exchange and the relationship, musical relationship between the United States and Latin America. So, so in this case, I don't have any document that suggests that Chavez told him to develop Tanglewood as a venue, but he, I think, I mean, Copland got this idea by himself, and there is a document in which the music committee that he was a member of told him that the idea of bringing, you know, musicians to Tanglewood is, is very good. So for the, for the U.S. cultural diplomacy within the context of the good neighbor policy. So Chavez engaged Kusevisky, which was not at all a problem because Kusevisky was also a highly cosmopolitan person and idealist in terms of the internationalism, in terms of the role of music to bring, you know, uh, peace and values. prosperity for the people. Yeah, so that was not a problem at all. And then, yeah, between U.S. government agencies during that time of the good neighborhood policy, we're talking about in, in, in the context of World War II, they arranged everything so the first fellows came and actually Blas Galindo was the first another fellow, composer another composer from, from, from Mexico. Mexico. He was the first composer to arrive 
1941 and then in 1942 Blas Galindo returned to Tanglewood and Jose Pablo Moncayo and uh, from Mexico and Harold Gramage from Cuba, Cuba. visit. So it's interesting yeah. to see how the countries who are geographically closer also yeah. are the ones who start coming first yes. because this Cuba is right here in the yes. corner of Miami and Mexico is right here in our corner here in California. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know the yeah. Caribbean. It makes all sense. Yeah, and the Caribbean Sea and the Atlantic Ocean, they were really full of, you know, Germans, U-boat, submarines. So it was, it was dangerous just to start... To, I mean, it was not so easy to bring actually fellows because actually uh, Alberto Ginastera was the first person selected, mm -hmm. but because of the context of World War II, besides the difficult situation with Argentina that never really declared the, the war declared against war. Germany and has this, you know... So the poor Ginastera couldn't come. He, he was not able to attend in 1941, but he did in 1946 when oh, the, the World war, war was finished. Yeah. When the conflict finished, yeah. yeah. Then Blas Galindo, Harold Gramacha, and yeah. So who there else? was this interval, this period of time between 1942 and 1945, in which uh, basically the festival uh, halt. It was not possible to continue the festival. Actually, for Kusevski was a challenge to launch the 1942 season, and he was highly criticized for that. On one hand, on the other hand, he defend himself. He say that you know you have music has yeah, to sound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that music has to be present uh, and present accompany and, people in yeah, hard times and, and, be, and be over any you know conflict and you know. And uh, he actually approached that in terms of you know keeping the civil uh, civilization alive, which is oh, that's very funny. That's, a, that's another <laughs> aspect yeah. because this yeah, yeah. probably he cannot escape the culture in which yeah, he, like he was everyone, born, yeah, the concept like that he has. So he was thinking that he was civilizing this yeah. new land. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, civil sure. civilizational project that has another connotation. Uh, uh, yeah. From up to down yeah. coming to civilize. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. So yeah, but he was actually brave and uh, he actually financed with his own money the 1942 that edition. sounds familiar to me with the Barcelona <laughs> yeah. Festival of Songs. That's true, yeah. So you're brave too. I'm, you're civil very brave I'm civilizing in the other way around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. funny. I, no. So, so yeah. So when the conflict finished, so there is a new uh, international also stage and actors. So you have the beginning. Then in 1947 of the Cold War, the Good Neighbor basically ended up say, uh, as a result of the the final of the, the of, of, the of, of World the War Two and. Uh, then there's a new enemy, which was the communism, but it's still the cultural diplomacy that the U.S. learned and developed during the Good Neighbor policy was very useful to continue. With, and the yeah, World War. yeah, and then then we have other composers uh, attending the festival. We have also Eliasar de Carvalho, an eminent Brazilian conductor that somehow I think has been forgotten actually, and. That was also his introduction to the international stage in Tanglewood. And, uh, and then in 1951, uh, Kusevisky died. This is the end of my dissertation. Oh. <laughs> so now, no, we, this, now that we <laughs> stop here, it's suspense. And all <laughs> the listeners now want to know what happened with Tanglewood after 51, so is a material for some of our listeners to develop their own doctoral dissertations. <laughs> we want to inspire young musicians well, and musicologists. Yeah. Well, this is part of the book I am working on. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I keep Dr. Uh, Hood doesn't stop. But yeah, yeah. you also recently are now changing subject <laughs> because I want to highlight this achievement. You recently also won a prize in the Otto Mayer Serra. Otto Mayer Serra is a competition, an award. Uh, yeah, an award. <laughs> an award, but sorry, it's competing. But a it's contribution. A, it's an, say, it's yeah. an award that Music is, is offered by the Iberian and Latin American yeah. Music Center of UC Riverside every year. Yeah. So musicologists who write about Latin America and, 
the video, I video music. They send articles and they are judged and the three best articles are selected, are published and they receive cash prizes also and the honor of being one of the selected. The publication, yeah. Published. So you receive a, an award recently. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I want to say before that, before anything, that the music about contribution, not about competition. Eh? Yes, that's true. You are. No, no, yeah, but yeah. I was thinking this no, is no, an award you are know, competing, yeah. but you are so, completely right. Yeah. Actually, uh, in ninety <laughs> in twenty fourteen, I received oh this article about the history of Carlos Chavez as a faculty member in Tanglewood in nineteen fifty three. So now we have an award already. Well. That that received the honorary mention at the Ottomayer Serra. That was the first time, the 2014. And, and then in 2016, actually, an article about, um, yeah, Latin American modern art music at Tanglewood from 1940 to 1951, which actually was developed into the dissertation receive also the second prize at the Ottomayer Center. Oh, yeah. so you have a history of <laughs> yeah. awards. And now, and now in 22? In, in, yeah, well, for the 20, uh, 2021, uh, it's, it's, an, it's an article in which I explore the connection between uh, music by the composi some co three compositions by Miguel de Aguila, an eminent Uruguayan and US-American composer. Uh, and uh, I analyzed the, the connections between three works of him and, uh, and memory, nostalgia, and, and the chronicle, the fact of documenting with music historical or personal events in the ways that writers of literature uh, that, in Latin that's America. A, that's a, a, the mm -hmm. nicest thing of your article that you are. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's a comparative thing yes. between literature and music, showing how through music yes. a composer also can narrate and develop stories yes and yes yes and and, the, and the, actually the idea came when i was taking many i mean some years ago uh, a seminar in literature and the topic was the the uh, latin american contemporary uh, chronicles and then I started realizing these connections. I had also to hold a presentation and I was to, you know, meet uh, literature with music. But, you know, during the, the, the seminar, I started realizing these connections between literature and, and the music within this area. And also in particular with Miguel, Miguel's music that I was studying during that time because there is a first article that I published about so Miguel. Miguel who, so Miguel, how old is Miguel now? I mean, he's alive uh, <laughs> for them to know. He's yeah. a living composer. Uh, yeah, I think Miguel is uh, the sits the uh, yeah. He's a yeah, young yeah, person. He's a young person, yeah, a young spirit, and yeah. So um, and you know, I I admire deeply his music. I think he's a great composer. I love his music, and uh, so I interview him, uh, which was part of these, uh, you know, Grammy uh, grant, uh, Latin Grammy support that mm -hmm. I got to research and write and publish about uh, Latin American composers living in the United States. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the connections began every time clear and more clear. And, and yeah, then there was another, you know, theoretical uh, elements added to the article just to develop the idea. So I spent like five years working on that. Yeah. Wow, just from you the beginning this deserve to... this, and this, this the award. To discover the music of Miguel del Aguila, let's listen to Preludio en Candombe, performed by the Heroica Trio.
now the, our listeners can read this article because it was published by yeah, the, the diagonal. Yeah, the yeah. prize was yeah, being yeah. published by the diagonal journal that is an online journal published by the Iberian and Latin American Music Center of mm -hmm. UCR. Uh, so it's available for free. So you know, you yeah. can access to it and read it. Five years in the making is an amazing article. I read it. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank yes. you. So I think our audience more or less have an idea of your wide interest <laughs> and your passion for music and musicology. You are also a performer. You are a guitarist. Yeah, yeah, a guitarist, and now expanding to other instruments too. And um, yeah, no, it, it has been wonderful. He's and an eternal student, our Dr. Hude, <laughs> which we are all. Yeah, exactly, so yeah. I hope our listeners are inspired by him and interested in all these ideas. And also, I hope our listeners have more understanding or awareness of how music is connected to culture and its expression also of power struggles and political, historical things are reflected in music. So music is not an isolated thing that happens isolated from society. So this it's is what mu yes. we musicologists yes, this is, do. This is what um, we find fascinating about what we do in musicology. And I actually self-represent as a cultural musicologist. Because, Me too. Yeah, yeah, oh, I know, I know. I'm a cultural <laughs> We are, so we, yeah, we are two too. cultural musicologists. But <laughs> yes, musicologists, we should, I mean, yeah. we are cultural musicologists. Yeah, yeah. Because we are analyzing and contextualizing. Yeah. Not just classifying things like a computer yeah. can do that. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, it's not like a system. Yes, but it's, it's just analyzing. Making connections. connections. Yeah. yeah. So we are making connections today with. Dr. Herman Hude, thank you very no, much thank you for, for you. coming uh, to thank our podcast. Thank you for your podcast. friendship. I, I lo digo lo mismo. But gracias, I would gracias. like to remind our listeners that this podcast is brought to you thanks to the support of the Center for Iberian and Latin American Music of University of California, Riverside, to the support of the Barcelona Festival of Song, a summer program specialized in the study of history and interpretation of Latin American and Iberian art song, and thanks to the support of Mundo Arts Publications, a publisher devoted to promote art song and vocal music from Latin America and the Iberian Peninsula. So, and we hope you connect to our next episode because it will be maravilloso as this <laughs> episode has been. Thank you, Dr. Herman Hude. <laughs> Thank you, Patricia. Muchas Thank gracias. You. <laughs> Thank you. to discover composers, poets, songs, and everything about the world of Latin American and Iberian music. This episode was brought to you thanks to listeners like you. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to patriciacaicedo.com slash podcast, subscribe to gain access to our free resources, and consider making a donation to ensure our future. Muchas gracias. Obrigada. <laughs>